Angel King. Sacramento. It is Wednesday. You are listening to 97.5 FM KDEE. I am Agent Key and we are selling Sacramento. Our show today, African American California Gold Rush, the untold story. I'm excited as always. My guest today, Mr. Jonathan Burgess. Jonathan, say hello to everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> You know the the last name Burgess from the Burgess Brothers, Burgess Brothers Barbecue. Burgess Brothers actually has a ton of different uh, food. Rattle them off for us, Jonathan. Okay, food products. So, you know, Burgess Brothers and Levi Stadium, you know, Burgess Brothers Appliances with the waffle maker, the cheer waffle maker, barbecue sauce, hot links. Um, yeah, those are the Burgess Brothers. Entrepreneurs. Yeah. Yes, yes. And firemen and police officer and some other things coming down the pipeline that we're excited about. Today's show, Jonathan is going to be sharing with us some exciting information that exists. And and so often it takes individuals like Jonathan to bring this stuff back to our memory, to bring it to, to the forefront. Uh, just because history doesn't get reported doesn't mean it didn't happen. And it's important for us to know what our contributions have been to America, to California in particular, and to Sacramento. So I'm excited to be bringing this show to you all today. And before we get started, I wanna give you a little backdrop about what today's show will be about. And we are talking about the gold rush era, contributions by African-Americans. And so I want to play, play a little clip for you all from PBS. And let's see if we can get it up. Just And this is going to be about maybe three or four minutes I'll play of it, just to give you an idea of some of the things that happened, some of the contributions that were made by African-Americans during the gold rush that you may not have known about your society to be able to buy land to purchase property back east. Among the places African-American Argonauts or gold seekers found pay dirt was along a bend in the American River, a gold-flecked spit of sand called Negro Bar near the present-day city of Folsom. It was part of a Mexican land grant belonging to William Alexander Leidesdorf, the son of a Danish father and African-Caribbean mother. For African-Americans and other miners, Negro Bar provided refuge. What made it unique was that this was a, a safe community for African-Americans, for Chinese, for Chileans, for, for Mexicans, and, uh, you know, uh, to, to pan for gold. Uh, one of the things during the gold rush was that people of color had no rights in California at the time. So if a white person wanted to jump your claim, they, they could do it with impunity and get away with it. So here, because of the numbers, people were able to band together in creating a community, a safe community in this area. The trip to the California gold fields, whether by ship or across the wide and forbidding continent, was a dangerous undertaking. At the end of the vast, desolate desert called the Humboldt Sink, gold seekers faced the towering Sierra Nevada mountains. The trek over the mountains was made easier and safer because of this man, James Beckworth, African-American, mountain man, 
trailblazer. In 1850, Beckworth discovered the lowest pass over the Sierra Nevada, which is roughly equivalent to what is now State Route 70 that goes from Chilkoot, California to Oroville, California. And that uh, particular route is now known as Beckworth Pass. Beckworth carved a trail through the mountains and in the summer of 1851 led his first wagon train over Beckworth Pass and into the valley of Marysville. California entered the Union as a free state in 1850. Nevertheless, state officials were often unwilling to challenge slaveholders. In 1852, 300 African Americans were still considered enslaved in California. Slavery was finally and successfully challenged in the courts by the case of Archie Lee, a slave born in Mississippi and brought to Sacramento by his owner. Lee tried to escape when his master refused to free him, but in 1858, a federal magistrate ruled in Lee's favor. Freedom from slavery and the freedom to pursue opportunity attracted men like William Robeson, who became a Pony Express writer and later a Stockton-based stage driver for Wells Fargo. Moses Rogers became a prominent citizen of Stockton. Before he moved west, he had worked as a miner on the East Coast. That experience paid off during the gold rush. His master sent him out here to find out what was going on, all this stuff they heard about California. And when he came out in California and he found out he was freed, he decided to stay. Moses Rogers um, became the superintendent of two mines in the Southern Lode. African-American women also played a part in gold rush history. On her way to California by wagon train, 10-year-old Mary Elizabeth Snelling was forced to hide in a sugar barrel when Native Americans mistook her for a kidnapped Indian girl. The Snellings arrived safely and settled in Merced County. She was a very dynamic lady, a lady with vision. Among the most inspiring stories is that of Nancy Gooch. Nancy and her husband, Peter, were brought as slaves to California and were soon freed. Industrious and determined, they quickly made a name for themselves in the town of Coloma, where the gold rush began. Nancy started washing, ironing, and cooking for the miners. Peter did construction work and farming. And by 1858, they had saved up enough money to buy 80 acres of property. And then in 1861, Peter died, leaving Nancy here by herself. Despite her husband's death, Nancy continued to thrive. She had children in Missouri still enslaved, and she wanted them free. In fact, it's been said that one of her children was sold to finance the master's trip to the gold fields. Her oldest child, named Andrew Monroe, was a grown man with two children of his own by the time his mother had saved enough for his trip to California. We don't know if Nancy was able to purchase the freedom of her son by the time the Civil War started, but we do know that in 1870, Five years after the Civil War ended, she was able to pay for the transportation of her son and his family out to California. And Andrew Monroe arrived in Coloma in 1870. Through the years, the Monroe family became so successful, they ended up owning the actual place on the American River where gold was discovered in 1848. The original home site and blacksmith shop are part of the Marshall Gold Discovery State Park, where Osborne West plays Nancy's grandson, Jim Monroe. This property right here would be the first parcel that uh, Monroe. So I want to stop it right there. And I am 
going to give it back to Jonathan. Jonathan, what do you think when you see that? What thoughts go through your mind? Um, when I see uh, when I see that video, there's a lot a lot of emotion. Um, a lot of that thoughts go through my mind. And uh, when you control history, and you control the narrative, and the power of education is phenomenal. And so, those are the thoughts that ring true um, through my mind. And I'm sure we'll get into to some of this, you know, for what's been narrated and shared, um, mm -hmm. and you know what's not been shared. And so, I'm here to share some untold stories. Uh, yeah. about a gold rush, about the gold rush um, in California, particularly Sacramento, Coloma, where gold was discovered. So Isn't those are the things that I think about. I appreciate you saying that. Th those are the, the thoughts that cross my mind as well, that, that there are untold stories, but that there is so much significance, like the, the story talked about Beckworth Pass. Yeah. I wonder how many people see that and ever stop to think or even know that it was named after a black man. How many yeah. things that are going on that we see on a daily basis? A friend of mine who's a historian here in Sacramento told me of several places that we would never expect were the result of a black person and named after a black person. And one day I'm, I'm going to have her on the show to talk about that. But, um, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to come back with a story, another untold story that hits so close to home. It's practically going to be coming through your microphones and radios <laughs> because it is the Burgess story about the gold rush. And you're listening to 97.5 FM KDEE. I am Agent Key, and we will be right back. Hey, Mike Snell. I see you, sir. How are you? How's it going? How's Mike? Okay. Yeah. So when we come back, I'm, I'll go into that first question as far as what role did African-Americans play? Yep. And, you know, we'll, we'll just start the conversation from there. Absolutely. Yeah. I can see you brimming with like. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm bubbling right now because I'm like, you know, and again, it's just that enlightening in the education, right? When you know history and that's the power of really what we want to share with our children and, you know, why education's always been so powerful. Right. Um, and, and I've told other historians this and people, when you're the holder of the records and you make the maps and you draw the narrative, we that's what we hear. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, when you become educated, and there's proof in written primary documents that show different. Well, let's, these are things to talk about. So I'm excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I just appreciate this day and age that we, that we're living in, that we have the ability to do that. And not only, yes. not only do it, um, not only do it, but do it on a wide platform and reach people in record time. Right. Yes. Mr. David Morrison is here listening. Hey, oh, David. David. Okay, David. I know. Okay. David M. Hey, Dave, shout out to you. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Yes. If you guys are out there watching and listening, type, say hi, ask a question. Let us know that you are listening. Yes, we share, are, share, tag, listen, yes. do all that. Share this stream yard, share this. Um, I call, I said stream yard because that's what we're pushing it through. But share wherever you're watching it from. If you're watching on Facebook or 
uh, Twitter. Yes, share that. Uh-oh. So I don't have my mouse and I'm losing my little. David said, what's good, John? <laughs> uh, let's see. The uh, nice, nice, cool Tahoe weather. That's good. <laughs> I am going to, uh, where am I going? Montego Bay tomorrow. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. So Jamaica, I am. Check you out. How long? Seven days? I'll be back Thursday next week. Okay. Yep, seven days. Seven Good days. <laughs> My engineer losing his mind. What? Are, what's all the hand signals? What's all the head rolling? <laughs> I'm bringing your gift back. I will bring your gift back. <laughs> yeah, Dunn's Rivers Fall. Have you been there before? I'm going. It's on. It's on our excursion list. We're okay. we're gonna do ATVs through some ganja fields. Okay. Uh, I think that's where we're gonna do Dunn's River through that excursion. Okay. There is a. Um, Booze cruise with okay the jerk, the jerk chicken is so amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. oh okay. The jerk, okay. The jerk, the jerk there is just amazing. I plan I plan oh we're back. I forgot we okay. were on the <laughs> Hey everyone, we are back. You're listening to 97.5 FM KDEE. I am Agent Key and today's episode African American Gold Rush. The Untold Story, Mr. Jonathan Burgess. Jonathan, before we went to break, we told everyone that we were coming back to talk about the Burgess story in the grander scheme of this gold rush. Tell us a little bit about how, well, first of all, let's talk about the role that African-Americans played in the gold rush. Yeah, so I mean, we, we just saw a pretty phenomenal video, um, which really tapped the surface um, and didn't really... African-Americans played a major role. In fact, some of the early pioneers that came over with their slave owners and some that were actually free. So you have to understand that California was a free state. There were African-Americans that were free that were here before the gold rush. Um, and the role that they played, some were scouts. Um, often, frequently, they mined in the mines, you know, for some of their owners. A lot of them um, that got here in 1849, 1850, not only paid for their freedoms and were allowed to mine in the mines before it got uh, oversaturated and the, the miners took care of themselves and it was a disadvantage to have slaves. Um, they established areas like, you know, Negro Bar um, under Folsom Lake now. And all the, the African-Americans that were early miners and miners, there's one thing that they all had in common, and that was the, the struggle of freedom. And they did not forget about those that were slaves. So one of their major roles that I'm most proud of, and, and you know, I found it in the Lila Beasley's book, is that a lot of them were all part of what they call a colored citizens convention. So they would mm -hmm. take from their diggings and give that money to white abolitionists, that's right, white abolitionists and other uh, blacks to fight for the freedoms of those that were still enslaved in the South and mm -hmm. for equal rights and civil rights. So th those were major roles, obviously during the gold rush, they brought with them trades from slavery. So they were farming, they were blacksmith. Um, those were the major roles that they played though during the gold rush, along with some of what was talked about um, Beckworth that, that discovered the, the lowest place. And that's amazing because I didn't even know that. And uh, I just say this, I'd like to get to a place one day in, in America, um, but I'm gonna say California because we're in California, where we could say California history. The reason we do things like this is because California has done an you know, incredible job being inclusive. And so we have to bring out stories of African-American history. And, you know, when we get to a place where we're telling true history, we can 
you know, forget about putting an a, a on it and it becomes California history. But until then, I want to tell stories like these and the untold stories that a lot of us have never heard. So to the to your point, you're actually this is a nice um, segue to my next question, which is why isn't there more of this history being told? Um, a, a lot of the history not being told is you know, simply because really uh, a lot of it was only document education comes, you know, comes to play. A lot of our history was oral narrative um, because if we were, you know, honestly from slave, the effects of slavery, we were fortunate if one in 20 slaves could read and write. Um, there are narratives. Um, individuals have kept those narratives suppressed because, well, we can't necessarily prove it. Um, and so those, when you don't control, and I think I said it earlier, when you don't control, when you don't write the history books, you don't control the narrative. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are reasons as to why a lot of this history hasn't been shared. But I think America, I think California is ready now to kind of hear um, when you look at all that's going on in the world. I think people are yearning for it because let's face it, nobody here today had much to do with what was done in the past. I can mm -hmm. say that I... You used a word inclusive. You said California hasn't been very inclusive, United States in particular. And I think that um, when I think about why we don't see history like that, it's because if you can build the narrative around how you want the story to be played out, then you keep the power and you keep absolutely. the control. Absolutely, absolutely. No, that's absolutely right. Um, and, you know, unfortunately some of the history it's alarming, but it's history, you know? And so if we're truly going to learn from our history, we need to share, we need to share an inclusive, true history. And I think that everybody's prepared and ready to hear that and not take uh, parts and pieces of a story and make up a story. And it's like, well, where'd you get that? Right. Um, well, because usually. How important, how important is it to share that history? Like what, on the one hand, we're saying, okay, when you control the narrative, you're controlling the story and you are the one reaping the benefits. So yeah. how important is it to share culturally diverse history? It's absolutely the utmost important. When you share culturally diverse history, that brings about what everybody's talking about. Everybody's talking about now the buzzword is diversity, um, DEI, right? Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. Well, when you do diversity and equity, inclusion happens naturally. You don't mm -hmm. have to force it. And so that's why that's so important. Um, and, you know, California history, if you if we realize, you know, I think you and I, and I hate to date ourselves, but we were raised telling being taught that Christopher Columbus discovered America. Right. Right. And you remember how difficult it was to, you know, dismantle that. So mm -hmm. when you look at, you know, if you imagine that most of your history not being 100 percent truthful, um, that's hard. That's a hard band-aid to uncover. Yeah. Um, but I think we're really ready for that, you know, and, you know, especially with the, you know, the task force that was launched yesterday, AB 3121, mm -hmm. that's a huge milestone for California really to be a leader and show mm -hmm. that they're going to lead and show the United States, Hey, we're not afraid. And, and, you know, for people to know, I mean, California was a slave, although it wasn't a slave trading slate, like the deep South, it was a slave state. Because many of those many of those people brought slaves, they enslaved people. One of the things that I watched in the video where it jumps to 1858. Well, in 1852, they were putting people back in slavery that were free, that brought their slaves here and sent back for them. And it went to the Supreme Court and was actually shot down in the Supreme Court if you look up the Parker brothers. So 
those are things that, you know, it's part of our history. Let's share it. And I think when we do that type of education, we show how the wealth transfer occurred. I'd say this, and I'll let you, I'm going to land and I'll let you ask me any question that we want to dive into. I'm honored and privileged to be here um, before you today and before the world as a direct descendant, um, African-American descendant of the California gold rush. Our great, great grandfather was brought here in 1849. I can't say that there are many others that I even know, not just black, but white or any race that is a direct descendant of those original pioneers that got here in 1849 and landed in Coloma stayed there and so we're going to talk a little bit about why that wealth didn't transfer and those mm. history those historical moments of why these the reparations task force study is so important because it will bring forth stories like these and hopefully you know show the value of education i can say the privilege for us is that our great great grandfather was educated raised in the house of his master he was able to read and write and he left that document so that's a, that's right that's powerful right. very powerful and, and you, you're jumping in front of my questions, but it's wonderful because my next question is, what is the story of the Burgess family and the gold rush? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give you the 60 second version of it, if I can. Really, okay. I mean, the, the Burgess family and the gold rush, if you look it up uh, and you Google, for those of you that are here, Google Rufus Burgess, he comes up and there's very little written about him. My mom would always tell us, you guys should be, you know, extremely proud of who you are. But our great great grandfather was brought here in 1849 and he left his autobiography you know he was born in mecklenburg virginia so that's where slaves landed you know um he came over here as rufus burgess because i found we can find him on the census and the federal census as rufus burgess he was listed as white um because obviously you know he was half white and black and that was as far as i'm concerned a way for him to work in those mines early on and not be detected although you could clearly see you know, he was darker than he was. But like most slaves could, um, when they bought their freedom, um, they did. So he paid for his freedom and sent for his family. We'll share his autobiography at some point, but he talks about all his families. He talks about two wives being sold twice, landing in Kentucky. When you go to Coloma today, they talk about the Robert Bell store. And it was just about two years ago, I met with the park officials. and I said, hey, how is it that I know about Robert Bell? And they didn't know we knew. Why are we talking about the Bell store and he was a slave trader? Now, nowhere in the park history will they tell you he's a slave trader, but I have our great, great grandfather's handwritten autobiography that tells us how he got to California. Mm. Um, and other historians, much more you know, versed at it than myself, um, have found and shared documents that Rufus Burgess was uh, sold twice. Well he, well, he was, but he also sent for his family. And so the Burgess legacy started really in 1849 and has carried on my great-grandfather um you know i didn't know who he was because we'd never seen a picture of him really dark again we saw a picture over a mantle and that's the importance of oral narrative our mom would always tell us we had this bible and she goes you know i think you're related to the bell family mm. like how are we related to the bell family well robert bell brought him over here and so before robert bell left and went and fought in the confederate army he sold him under the name Nelson Bell. And if you look at the map of 1857, Nelson Bell is the only African-American man on the map. Now he's on that map because there was a Fugitive Slave Act, which meant I could bring my slave here in California as long as I wasn't gonna stay and make it my residence. Mm -hmm. And when I got ready, I could call for him to be sent back to the South. And so that's how Rufus Burgess, our great-great-grandfather, ended up on the first township map of the town of Coloma. And although, he said he was married and had a family on the census. 
1869, the state of California and other officials buried him under his slave name, took all his assets, and there's a tombstone bigger than I, you know, bigger than you and I, standing tall, ivory. Mm. And so I question this. I go, when at all did the state of California so much care about a black man dying in 1869 that they would come yeah. and take all of his assets, write it in a probate record that his assets were to be sold and carted away? Wow. Um, and so when you look at the history, there are $600 in real estate, um, $1,000 in cash that reverted to the state of California. So stories like these, oh, yeah. Wow. Um, will come forth as we look at this study for reparations. And so I always question, well, how did the Burgesses not have more? Where, why do we talk about the Munros? And, you know, I, I had soft at the Monroe family because they got here in 1870, but 20 years after the Burgess family. Mm-hmm. So the Burgesses were here. I, I looked at an autobiography where my nephew, actually nine years old, interviewed my dad before he passed. It's called Interview with Papa. And my dad, you know, parents tell stuff they never tell their their kids, right? And my grands, my, my nephew, nine years old, says, Papa, can you tell me about your grandfather? He goes, well, yeah, you know, he was up in Coloma with Marshall. I'm like, my dad never told me that when Go was discovered. <laughs> but they were brought over from ships from Africa. Mm-hmm. Right? And so we have a portrait that has been in our family for over 170 years of our great-great-grandfather, um, Rufus Burgess, who was buried as Nelson Bell. And so there's more to the story that goes on as far as you look at when they did they start blacksmithing. Um, you know, those were trades. As far as yeah, as far as I know, when you look up like you go to the town of Coloma today and they mention all about the Gooch family and the blacksmith shops. Well, Rufus Burgess was the blacksmith that owned the Grange Hall. That's a big mm-hmm. thing. So the Wells Fargo Pony Express trains that we talked about um, mm-hmm. earlier. Well, mm-hmm. who was fixing the wheels for it? Rufus mm-hmm. was. Wow. Um, so those stories, but not only that, he was educated. I found documents in the Pacific Field newspaper, thanks to Clarence Caesar and other historians, where he was writing. Our great-grandfather wrote in 1870, a year after his father passed. And he's talking about the kids that went to school were turned away, and that all the colored people in the town needed to bring their shoulders together and test. And he didn't know what the convention was doing, but it was time that they pulled together and tested this. Mm. And so I say that's the power of education. And knowing your history, but that is why you know uh, we couldn't have done it. They couldn't have done it because there were some abolitionists and incredible white people, and they're not talked about either. Just like many slaves that were abolitionists, there's a gentleman by the name of H. B. Pierce. Don't find much about him, but he only sold land to black folks. Mm. Um, wow! And he's got orchards, a ton of them. He's on the first map of of, of Coloma, just like our our great great grandfather was, mm-hmm. and you hear nothing else about him. The well, church because he was selling land to nobody but black folks. <laughs> Absolutely. And so sometimes, you know, what, what people don't understand is, you know, even for some of the white people that were that are collaborators and allies, it was almost worse for them than it was for us. And even still right. today, I hope we can get to a better place where it's not. Right. But truly, um, that was my reason, you know, knowing this history and knowing more that there are other African-American families. Um, there are Asian families that were there. Um, not talked about. And so when you look at the gold rush, you just say there's more. And I say, well, how poetic is it now that the Burgess brothers have mm-hmm. a stand in Levi Stadium, right? Where the San Francisco 49ers play, right? How poetic wow. is that? When you right? think about that, that is poetic right? justice. Right. But when you see the 49ers, there's no color there. There's no chocolate. Right. Oh, look, I'll yeah. be working with the 49ers, make sure we get some, you know, some chocolate in there because we had chocolate pioneers helping out, right? Building this country. Well, and, and it takes individuals like yourselves to bring this to the forefront because 
like we said, the story as it exists now, it's a single narrative. It's very narrow. And it's one that we've been taught and that's been ingrained in us that this is truth. And so our minds, and you alluded to it earlier, a lot of us have a hard time believing that something else happened right. that, that might counter what you Absolutely. know to be true. Well, here's the reality. And here's, here's the reality, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know this. The original pioneers that came here brought their slaves with them, and there were free slaves, and that's how those communities were established and built. And they were here with the indigenous people that were actually here first. Um, we just weren't fighting and feuding with everybody, taking folks out right. <laughs> to conquer. But that happened. Um, it's part of our history, all of our history. And so when the gold rush was over, the value became in the land. Well, you know what the slaves did, the former slaves, they farmed land. Mm -hmm. um, they became stewards of, of that farmland and, and those that were educated um, continued to buy and sell and get deeds. And they got the deeds by actually righteous, you know, white citizens that were in power at the time that allowed that to happen. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you some of the first maps of the town after 1857 don't have any black people listed on it. Right. So when you look at Coloma and I'm like, well, there's all this farmland here. I've got peach vouchers from our great grandfather in 1885 mm. where he's taking his wagon down to old sacramento selling 60 dollars worth of peaches wow and yet there's no mention of, of the burgess family and right where did history, but the, from but the burgesses right. got here in 1849. Right. so those are narratives that we will correct and that's why i chose you know we'll talk about it more the african american gold rush association and museum our goal yeah. is to you know put a museum that tells an inclusive stories like these and about, talk about the H.B. Pierce's and the, the George Ingram's and the other individuals that were actually part of, you know, helping this, us, you know, achieve mm -hmm. that, that ultimate dream. And even the ones that weren't, the Phil and the Dan, the Thusser brothers, you know, that came over with their slaves and one was Confederate, one was actually, and they fought for what they believe in, one was Democrat. And so, mm -hmm. you know, you had Democrats, Republicans, one was Confederate, one's Union. Um, and so those are stories, you know, and, and when you look at the history and you say, well, where are all our, all the people at? Mm -hmm. Black people, you know, we're there. Um, it's rich history. And I'm just honored to be able to, you know, be a living descendant. And I hope there's another living descendant from the gold rush, the California gold rush that's out there somewhere. I'd love to talk to them. But right. I can tell you why they're not. Because had I not known and had I not had that autobiography, Nelson Bell was just another name sitting on a tombstone. So if you control the narrative, you now bury my great grandfather under a different name, and I don't have that handwritten autobiography and the oral and narrative. Very rich history. We, we've lost who we are. So that's why so many African Americans today don't know who. Uh oh, we we lost him on the screen. We'll Sorry. wait for John. Okay. Oh, there he goes. I'm back. Who knows past their grandfather? Mm -hmm. How many of us know past our grandfather, our great grandfather? It's right. rare. And that's because many were sold and taken on different last names. Um, a lot of the women were buried under different names. And so we mm -hmm. lose track. But I can tell you this, you know, we'll share some of that rich history and the deeds for this wonderful state we call California that go back to 1872 um, that are still in the family today. And so that took education yeah. for our ancestors to actually do that, package it up, and we still have them today. So when we sit down with California and we look at this reparation task force and say, well, these are the deeds that don't match the maps. Yeah. Right? And This, this is, is how the wealth transferred in California. It takes, 
we, we also have to applaud those individuals who sit in power today, no matter what ethnicity they are, yes. that they have the courage to listen to the, this, to assess this, to take a deeper dive, to have the willingness to correct it. Because we, we this is a new type of environment that we're living in right now. We could not have even thought about reparations even being considered 20 Absolutely. years ago. Absolutely. You're absolutely 100% right. And so what that does is it tells me that there's, there's hope for our nation. It yeah. tells me that some of the same good people that were existing during the gold rush that tried to do the right thing still exist with our, our legislature and government today. And even those, whether they know or not, but they will hear and be educated as to why. And so I think it's very important, you know, for the study as we talk about AB 3121 and how people frown when they hear the word reparations. But when you hear the story as to why, I can tell you that, you know, black, white, Asian, Chinese, red, yellow, green, everybody that's heard our story says, yeah, you know what, give them their land back. Yeah. Um, and so, but we prove what happened to a lot that don't have the paperwork. What happened to us was not something that was new. It was a tactic. And where that tactic come from? Right. Right. So, so those are things, you know, when you look at it, and I think I do, I commend our, our government officials, mm -hmm. um, you know, all of those, you know, throughout the assembly Senate, up to the governor that have said, you know what, we're going to move this forward um, and put a task force together to really look at as to why we need to do this. So, and this isn't the first time that that's the other part too, that I don't think a lot of people understand reparations for African-Americans is not the first time that America has acknowledged wrongdoings and have paid reparations. We, we have to, if we think about the Japanese internment camp, you know, if we think about the Native Americans, why do you think that situations, um, what is, there's the, um, the casino that's getting ready to be built in Elk Grove. Yep. So that's being built on land right. that belongs to a particular tribe. That's yes. land that America, America gave back a ton of land to Native Americans. So African-Americans asking for land back, why would that be so unusual for us to ask and to receive it if it's not unusual for another ethnicity? Why would it be so unusual for us to receive a check in upwards of thousands of dollars when checks and upwards of thousands of dollars have been given to other cultures for wrongdoings. There's even well, been repayment for the Tuskegee experiment to those families and, and their, their, their descendants have free medical care for the rest of their life. Yep. Well, I'll tell you why it's unusual in my opinion, in my humble opinion, it's, it's unusual because we haven't put the education behind it. There's never been a task force willing to, to, to do what it is that California government's going to do. And so when we bring this forth in California, that sends a message to all the United States and the federal government. Um, I read somewhere that if America really acknowledged the dollar amount, the actual dollar amount that it would owe to African-Americans, we're looking at somewhere around $14 trillion. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you this, uh, it, it's, a, it's a hefty, because of how long we, America's put it off, makes it a hefty 
penalty and payment um, versus, you know, the native, you know, I'll, I'll say indigenous, because honestly, the people that came and claimed this were the natives. So the indigenous people um, that were here, yeah, they got taken care of. And they also shared the history as to what happened to them. Um, I listened to what Dr. Martin Luther King said, and this is why it's so, I won't say unusual, but so painful because as you know, and anybody on this watching this video will know, slavery existed everywhere at some point in time, but never on American soil has any slave been treated the way that the African American slave was treated even mm -hmm. after slavery. So that is why this is such a big ticket. And when we look at some of the institutions and, you know, and the laws and the guidelines, you know, you look at these companies that were built from the gold rush, Wells Fargo, Levi Strauss. Mm. Let's look at their board of directors. Um, you know, what philanthropic things are they really doing? What, you know, those companies, and I do agree, not everybody had anything to do with slavery. There are plenty of people that came over here from other states, other countries had nothing at all to do with it. But let's mm. just face it, when you got here, you just conform. It's like having a car. <laughs> I'm taught that this is less than it is. I'm taught that this is it. Okay, well, those were the times where we've gotten better for that and we're going to acknowledge it and move on. And like somebody right. just commented, says it's our turn. Yeah. It's our turn. Well, just like you're saying, you know, it's not, it may not be someone's direct fault for what has right. happened, but yes. they have been able to come into a situation and either benefit more quickly or do yep. better. They have the running head start above African Americans or descendants Absolutely. of slaves as a result of what happened. And and what we're saying who has to pay for this is yep. the government, local, state, and federal. Local, That's state, and federal, we're, we're all involved in it. Individual people pay us back. We're Correct. saying the same way that these things were imposed and carried out under the same laws and policies and the same strength and equivalent strength needs to come back and restore. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I would say this, you know, let's, you can take simply the Burgess family story and you go, you know, 1849, 1850. I can tell you that the Gallagher's got here. Um, I believe the Gallagher's were actually allies. There's assembly member Gallagher. I hope to one day meet him because my great grandmother sold, I believe his great grandfather, um, the blacksmith shop, which is in Coloma. But if you look at the Gallagher family, you look at their lineage, they're still fifth generation landowners and farmers, mm. ranchers, right? Um, well, that's a prime time. Let's look at it. And the Gallagher's got here after the gold rush. They came mm -hmm. for the land. So my family was here during the gold rush and after the gold rush. Never mm -hmm. left the town of Coloma until they were actually, if you ask me, which will be proven in the studies, forced off their lands. Mm -hmm. um, people want to say things didn't happen in California. Oh, yeah, it happened in California, too. Mm -hmm. um, people that had land that looked like me were forced off of them not by everybody and you have people like the gallagher's that became allies that actually allowed my uncle to live in his house you know um in 1919 it's written that the burgesses had one of the nicest homes in the town mm. and uh i asked the question when i saw that my uncle marion was a boarder in the gallagher home in 1919 i'm like why would he be a boarder in the gallagher home if we had mm. one of the nicest homes in the town and i started thinking i'm like well the, and the gallagher's were ranchers they didn't I'm like, that's weird. My great grandmother didn't sell the house to the Gallagher. She sold the blacksmith shop. And behind mm. the blacksmith shop was a farm. And behind the farm was a house and mm -hmm. land. And so 
but things like that happen and no fault of the Gallagher's, you know, um, laws were laws. But when you look at the township of Coloma, all the white families gave their land to the state of California and the black families waited until it was taken. Right. But that's not like standing out saying what happened here? Well, right. and there were just, there were only two black families for the most part left. The Burgesses, I say the Burgesses first because the Burgesses arrived first and Monroe's didn't arrive until 1870. Mm-hmm. And much was established by the time Andrew got here. But the difference between the Burgesses and the Monroe's is the Burgess, the Monroe's have no one left to, no direct blood descendants to live and tell their story. The mm-hmm. Burgesses, what our, what our lineage did and our great grandfather, bless his heart, I mean, he must've been in the sixties because the boys were like two, three and seven when he died, right? In on, on 1900, but he made sure that that legacy would last forever. And I'm here today to tell the story mm-hmm. and put together a African-American Go Rush Museum that will go in old Sacramento and tell an inclusive history what the House of Burgess's restaurant attached. Mm-hmm. And you see all denominations coming in. Asian, the Chinese that were there, we own the land that they were actually mining through. We own that land. Mm-hmm. Perlin mm-hmm. Monroe said it himself. And Perlin arrived 20 years after us. And so some of those stories, the rail yard, the things that happened really, and, and bring that unity back to, you know, let's show, let's California lead the charge and show the rest of the nation how this is supposed to be. So, right. I, I like that. With with you saying that, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want you to dive into the new nonprofit that you just mentioned and its directive, um, how people can participate and how they can connect and how they can contribute. Because this is, again, I've said it before, it's an amazing time to be alive and to be able to carry the torch after all of the hard work and blood and sweat and tears that our ancestors, not just African-Americans, every ethnicity, if we are here in America, it really is a melting pot and it really should represent the contributions of all cultures. And so this is a great time to be alive. If you're a, if you are, have been handed the torch and it's your turn, you've been tagged, you're it. It's a wonderful time to be alive. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will be back with Mr. Jonathan Burgess as we discuss the African-American experience in the gold rush. You're listening to 97.5 FM KDEE. I am Agent Key, and we'll be right back. Awesome. Awesome. Great. So we will let everyone know also that your website will be going live tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. American Go Rush Association.org. Okay. And I was going to ask a question about because you said something about opening up downtown in Old Sac. Yes. But I want you to save all that. Don't even tell okay. me anything about it because okay. <laughs> I want you to save it for the show. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> I think this is the first time that you you mentioned that. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, I'm and I'm putting it in. I'm putting. I'm speaking it into existence. That's the only place okay. for it. We. Yeah. Hey. That's I will. Absolutely. <laughs> I just heard that phrase one hour ago from my engineer speaking right. it into existence. That's right. We're gonna speak it in. <laughs> it is. Let me see. Did I miss any comments here? David said, "Amen, John." Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. Let's see. All right. And got that. 
no banners today. I'm trying to make sure I get everything on here. And when we come back from the break, we'll have, will be two minutes, three? No, we'll have like 10 minutes. Oh, good. <clears throat> like 10 minutes. I hear you emphasizing and underlining and underscoring. I'm sure you'll wave your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. You're looking at me like you always do. You're looking at me like, I know this dude is not. <laughs> when my time is up. I'm just let you know. Now. I know, I know. Um, A-A-G-R. So the name of the organization is African American Gold Rush. Gold Rush Association. Association. Yeah, .org will be the website. Oh. .org, yeah. All spelled out? African American Gold Rush Association .org. Yep. .org. Got it. So the link that I have is you just kind of allowed me to see in on something that's not up yet. Right. Yes. Yep. I wanted to show you. It's gonna be incredible. I want to say yeah. Yeah. It'll be live tomorrow. Okay. So on this site, people can donate, get involved. Yeah. There will be events. We're back. Okay. All right. So I'll ask you about all of those. Hey, everyone, we're back. You're listening to 97.5 FM KDEE. I am Agent Key. And my guest today, Mr. Jonathan Burgess, we are talking about the African-American experience during the California gold rush. And this has been a very enlightening conversation and a very exciting conversation. And Jonathan, as you're talking about your family's involvement, my heart just goes out to you. And then I think about the others who they may not have individuals in their family like yourself, you know, who's going to do the heavy lifting and go figure it out and go find out. But I'm sure all of us, we, we find these documents from our family's past and we don't really necessarily know how they all fit and they don't make sense, especially when we try to compare them to history. You know, you, you're working with two different names, but it, it was because you dug even, you, you kept digging that you made the connection that, oh my goodness, this is, this is one and the same. This man is the same man, just two different names. Yes. How, how do we, how, how would you advise someone who has suspicions, can we call them suspicions, mm -hmm. <laughs> that there was something that didn't quite go right down in their, in their family history as it pertains to land or you know, property here in, in California, because you can only speak about the process that you went through. What should they do? How how should they pursue this? What did you do? Right. Well, uh, so I'll tell you the process that we're still going through, um, and that is really compiling all the documents that you have, you know, to build the story. 
And, you know, there have been other, you know, uh, historians and, and people that have, you know, provided me with information um, that's consistent with what was going on at the time. Some of it's like a puzzle, I'll be honest with interpretation. Um, and that's what I've done. You know, genealogy is, is always important um, if you're able to do it. But like, like we discussed earlier, I mean, many of us don't know past our grandfather, our great-grandfather. It was, you know, it's rare, especially if he or she was, were enslaved um, or sold somewhere. So there are a lot of family members that just won't know. Um, but those documents are very important because they are primary documents. And so I would encourage anyone that has them, you know, those are something you want to gather and, and make sure you get them scanned, you know, get them scanned and preserved. And so that's why one of the reasons we'll talk about, you know, why I chose to move with the nonprofit. Well, let's um, talk about help that other families. Right Let's talk about that because that's going, I think that's going to be a really big, um, just, I think you're going to be able to help a lot of people with this organization. And so it is the African American Gold Rush Association, and it's your newest nonprofit as it pertains to helping people figure this stuff out, put the pieces together, understand the history and know the contributions of African Americans. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so I mean, that was obviously like most nonprofits, you know, it was started by a, a passion, right, and some help to do the heavy lifting. But really, the, the goal of the, the nonprofit um, and African American is to do j just exactly that. You know, uh, we've partnered with some other genealogical societies to kind of help with finding out who you are, where your ancestors came from. And so that will be one facet of it. But the other part is really putting together these stories and telling a inclusive California historical story um, with that nonprofit. And so that's really why I've done it. And the thought is, is that if we tell these stories, um, and even when we talk about educating the, the children, right, that go up in their fourth grade to understand and have an appreciation of value for not just the white pioneers that are all the only ones talked about. And then just the stories about um, the families that pull themselves up from slavery and sent for, you know, for, for other family members. We want to talk about, you know, Rufus Burgess, Rufus M. Burgess was a former slave that could, I don't know where my great grandfather got his education, but it's mm -hmm. phenomenal when I share the documents that he wrote. So that's the impact of that museum. And to raise that self-worth um, of all races for everybody's contribution, I think makes us, you know, a better tomorrow, a better future. So that's one of the primary goals Obviously, we're putting some great food in there as well, right? Just an extension of it. But but really having that collaboration and unity with other races, because mm -hmm. we did in the gold rush. You know, um, listen, you know, Brigham Young and a lot of the Mormons were here before. You know, they were here and paved the way. And so when you, when you think about genealogy, they have a lot of it. And, you know, they've been very, you know, forthcoming and helpful um, uh, with, with providing us just, you know, the information and partnerships to help others. So that's what your, I want to do. That's what we will do with the nonprofit. Your website for the nonprofit will go live tomorrow, right? Yes. Yes. So yes. should we give the URL now and tell everyone? You know, I, I, I'll tell you what. I'd say, why don't we, when we post this story, you'll pack the story, right? We'll pack the story. People here. We'll put so the you URL up. Come back, ladies and gentlemen. You yes. have to go to the social media page on right. uh, Selling Sacramento on the radio or find us on YouTube or on Twitter. And tomorrow you will see the link to the website for the African-American Gold Rush Association. And on the site, people can donate, right? Yep. 
Tell us about the events that you plan to have and how they can get involved with volunteering and participating. Well, I mean, well, obviously, you know, Juneteenth um, is going to be at William Lamb Park. And so mm -hmm. obviously, you know, you'll know the Burgess Brothers will be there. But a lot of times we'll have proceeds that benefit the Gold Rush Association. Um, you know, we've got a, a beer now. The roof is gold. <laughs> it's got actually the great grandfather's picture on it. So there'll be events that we host around there as fundraisers for the nonprofit. Um, with, Wait, with so your first event will be Juneteenth. Well, this Juneteenth will be, you know, we will tell a family story. The British Brothers will be participating there. And obviously our proceeds will benefit the nonprofit. Got um, it. So what we do from vending from the British Brothers will go towards the nonprofit. Um, but there are a host of events that we have lined up, you know, you know, throughout, you know, from our relationships and partnerships, that, you know, I, I like to say partnerships, you know, that, that run deep when we look at the San Francisco 49ers and, you know, uh, Sac State with Aramark, you know, the local right. breweries in town. So there are a lot of things that we have on the hopper. I've got plans mm -hmm. um, and people greater than me have plans. You know, they're historians and doctors, you know, with those reels, uh, you know, or signing up to be on the board. So we'll have a, you know, they're getting excited about this. This is just so exciting for them. And the timing couldn't be better. I mean, the, the timing's incredible. Um, I know there's a lot of waterfront talk about, you know, development at the waterfront um, mm -hmm. in Old Sacramento. It just seems to me that the, the best place for a museum like this would be Old Sacramento, considering that I've got original peach vouchers of Absolutely. my great grandfather coming down to Old Sacramento selling peaches to the WR Strong Company. So, yeah. you know, um, when we look at infrastructure, and as we move forward in Sacramento, you know, being a local jurisdiction, how we move forward in equity, right? right? With some of these businesses that will bring about. So there's a whole plan for the, the restaurant piece. Um, and the House of Burgesses, because that's the last name, and great, great granddaddy, hats off to him, you know, the, the parliament in Virginia. We want to bring some of that back here. So awesome. it will be it will be the place that you have to go when you visit Sacramento. Awesome. I love that. I, I appreciate you so much for coming on the show today to talk about this. The, just the energy and the passion that you have behind it is already, you, you had mentioned, speak it, in, in, speak it into existence. You are a great visionary and it is easy to get behind you because whatever you set your mind to do, it just, you just have this or about yourself that, oh, it's getting ready to get done. So it's just a matter of when. And so I am really excited for you. I'm excited for AB 3121. I'm excited yeah. for um, where we are in our country today. And um, is there any, are there any last thoughts or last bits of information that you wanna share with our audience? Well, no, I mean, I'll, I'll just like to kind of end on this note, and it's kind of where I started. And, uh, you know, as we move forward as a country uh, and a nation, um, although, you know, this museum says it's the African-American uh, Gold Rush Museum, this museum's for everybody. And like mm -hmm. I said, when I started this, my goal is for, you know, once we start sharing that inclusive history, we can say it's the California Gold Rush Association and Museum. Because truly, mm -hmm. that is, you know, sometimes when people don't do it right, we got to do it for them and uh, show how it's, you know, and so I'm not afraid of that. But I look forward to, uh, you know, what's to come. Uh, Kiki, thank you for having me on the show. I love, you know, I love being here, love being a guest. Um, and just an honor and a privilege. I look forward to, you know, all that's, and, you know, call me anytime, whatever Absolutely. you need. Absolutely. I got you on speed yeah, dial, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I love that you said when people don't do it right, we just do it for them. Yes. I love yes. that. 
here's the deal. You just show. Sometimes you have to show, right? Yeah. So you can lead by example. Right. And that's the best leadership ever, when you can lead by example. So. And leave people with their dignity in the process. So Absolutely. that everybody is learning. And so yes. in closing, I just want to say that it's important for us to understand and highlight the contributions of all cultures so that we can do a better job of valuing and respecting one another. And we honor those who came before us and paved the way courageously, continuing forward, making the world a better place for everyone. And if you are doing what you were created to do, I will see you at the top. Bye-bye. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Thank you. This was so touching. Uh, that was a warm and fuzzy one. Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> Listen, I, I can't even tell you. Thank you so much. Um, I wasn't able to put it on here, but I will share with you. Um, uh, Do you want me to end the broadcast before you share? No, you can leave the broadcast. You know, I mean, one of our first pledges came from, and I want to hats off to, you know, Sierra Health foundation you know so, oh, check, awesome. so he's already pledged yeah, uh, to the nonprofit, and so that's worthy of sharing you know i'm just waiting for a press release because oh, yeah. i truly want to put that out there in a press release and, and give sierra health uh you know really being a shining star and saying hey that's a, uh, that's a generous that's pledge to the nonprofit. So, that's the type of courage that we need from from big industry to yes. step in and, and get behind that absolutely yes. yep. looking so, forward Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, sir. Enjoy the rest of your day and, you know, keep me posted. I I, um, I will share something with you at a later time. I'm not going to do it on the broadcast, sure. but it is related to AB 3121 and you'd, you'd be excited to hear it, I'm sure. But Awesome. And hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll be back for Juneteenth and we'll see you out at William Land Park. Yes, sir. Do. I'll be there. Okay. We'll make sure you, yeah, I'll make sure I'm going to bring you over something. So brother, yeah, brother, well, we'll be there. I need a cheer somebody. I, a cheer, you know, cheer waffles. Yes, bring me one. <laughs> we'll make sure we got the cheer waffles out there. All right. Okay. Talk Alrighty. to you soon. Take care. Okay. Right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yep.